Good morning, everybody. Uh, today, uh, we've got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. First Corinthians chapter two. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get into some meat today. I hope you came hungry for God's word because today He's gonna give us some meat, and I, I pray that you uh, stick with me uh, and try to stay uh, focused with me. We're gonna be talking about uh, the Spirit of God. We're gonna be talking about why some men. Uh, get the gospel and why some men don't. We're going to talk about a lot of different things associated with that. Uh, but when you find 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's stand together. And we are going to begin reading in verse 6. And we're going to read all the way into chapter 3, a couple of verses. So uh, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Yet we do speak wisdom. Among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, for to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man, except the spirit of the man, which is in him. Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows, except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. Verse 13, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Verse 14, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? Let's pray. For, Father, we ask you to bless uh, your word to our heart today, to our mind, to our spirit, Lord. Teach us from it and give us your hidden wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. You know, one of the things that was uh, striking about Jesus Christ in his teaching was that he spoke as...
as no one else had ever spoke to the people. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which, by the way, we had a men's prayer breakfast yesterday. We missed some of you men that weren't there. Uh, Kevin gave us a great lesson on the Sermon on the Mount. At the end of that message, Jesus, uh, the Bible says this about what he said. The result was that when Jesus had finished these words, the multitudes were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. You know, Jesus was able to go beyond anyone else's teaching in the fact that he could look in the heart of each of his students. He could look in the heart of each of the people that was listening to him. He could read their thoughts. Amen. He could understand their motives. He could answer their questions before they even asked them. He spoke of things that were unseen as if he had seen them himself. He spoke about the angels. He described God to the people. He taught them about death and after life. Jesus' teaching was unmatched by anyone they had ever heard. At the end of his earthly ministry, the disciples were discouraged and fearful because he was leaving. They were going to miss his presence, but also they were going to miss his wisdom and his instruction. And so at the end of his ministry, the night he was arrested, he said this to his disciples. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Amen. He also said in John 16, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Today, in our text, Paul is writing to us about the fulfillment of that promise to us. We know that the Spirit came upon the disciples at the day of Pentecost. And they begin to understand the teachings of Jesus in more detail because the Spirit was placed upon them. You and I receive the Spirit of God when we become Christian. We believe and the Spirit of God indwells us and He begins to teach us. In our text, Paul is writing to a group of people. And I want you to imagine, they're gathered like we're gathered here today. And they are seated around someone who is going to read them this letter that has come from the Apostle Paul directly to them. And so they are all attentive and they're all listening to what this letter has to say about them. And Paul begins the letter by striking out against them because of their divisions among themselves. And some of them are following this man and some following this man and some are following this man. And they believe that they are wise in their decisions. And so Paul uses the cross 
to undermine their wisdom about themselves and their boasting and their pride and their, and their uh, uh, power and their position. And he uses the cross to demolish all of that. And then he goes with a wisdom that comes from God. It's a hidden wisdom that not everyone can hear or see or understand. And he tells us, as what we read here, is that this wisdom comes from God through the Spirit. Jesus said that to the disciples. God will send you another helper who will stay with you forever. Why? Because I'm going back. And I won't be with you forever, but God's sending the helper who will stay. In fact, he will indwell in you. What will he do? He will teach you the truth. He will give you the wisdom for life. He will show you the way. He will take what is mine, Jesus says, later on, and he will give it to you. So, this spirit is important for us. Not just to have to convict us of sin and judgment and righteousness, but to show us the way to live, to give us this hidden wisdom, this truth about who we really are so that we can be committed to God and to the truth. He mentions three things about this wisdom. In verse 7, he says this, that this wisdom is to our glory. Look at it with me. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. What is that referring to? What does that mean about this hidden wisdom and our glory? This wisdom that God has hidden from mankind but is made available to us through the Spirit is a wisdom that is given to fulfill you to be the person God made you to be. Without it, you can't become that. Without it, you are hopeless. Without this hidden wisdom, you are relying upon worldly wisdom. And Paul makes a contrast here between the world's wisdom and our wisdom. And Stephen, give me a little bit. <laughs> I'm like Bart, brother. I got to have some light so I can see. <laughs> okay? Thank you. So the difference is that God gives us this wisdom hidden as opposed to the world's wisdom. And this hidden wisdom helps us to become what God intended us to be. This hidden wisdom produces in the person who receives the Spirit and gets the wisdom. It produces a beautiful person. Not outwardly, but inwardly. It produces a person who is loving, who is compassionate, who is strong, who is merciful, who is full of grace, who has divine strength. That's what this hidden wisdom does for those who receive the Spirit and learn of this wisdom. This is the hidden wisdom of God. It is to our glory. All right, it goes on also to say in verse 6, this hidden wisdom is a permanent truth. All right, look in verse 6. Yet we do not speak 
wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. This hidden wisdom is not temporary, as he describes there in verse 6, that the rulers of the age have, that the society at that moment has a wisdom. In fact, Corinth, the town Corinth was built upon philosophy of men. And they would debate and they would argue and they would reason on worldly wisdom. But God's wisdom was not known to them. God's wisdom has not been revealed to them. They are dead in the Spirit. They have no Spirit of God. Therefore, they cannot see this hidden wisdom that is given to the believers. But this wisdom is a permanent wisdom. It is not only of this age. This wisdom transcends time. Okay? This wisdom goes from the beginning all the way through to eternity. From eternity to eternity, man's wisdom says that our life is meaningless. Man's wisdom says that we came by chance. Man's wisdom says that there is no purpose in you being here today. There's no reason for you to be on this earth. It was an accident. You have no future. You have no reason. You have no purpose. That's man's wisdom. We hear that in science, don't we? But God's wisdom says there is a purpose in you. God's wisdom says there is a purpose now and in the life that is awaiting you. God says there is a wisdom that is a permanent wisdom. The third thing he says about this wisdom in verse 14, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. The natural man, he cannot learn this wisdom. You can't go to a Bible school and get this wisdom in a class. You can't go to a college and gain this wisdom from someone else. You cannot go to a philosopher and allow him to unfold this wisdom before you. You cannot go to a secular psychiatrist or a psychologists, and find this wisdom in what they say. The eye cannot find this wisdom. The ear cannot hear this wisdom. History, thank you, will not unearth this wisdom. Okay? Without this wisdom, men and women will falter and fail. Without this wisdom, homes will be divided. Without this wisdom... Towns will be destroyed. Without this wisdom, violence will be in society. Without this wisdom, evil floods the streets. Without the hidden wisdom of God, we don't stand a chance. Therefore, it is the most valuable of all wisdom. This hidden wisdom of God. It is not known... I'm I'm sorry, it is made known through the Spirit. All right, on the screen, verse 10. How do we get this wisdom? For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. So we have a teacher coming from God to show us this wisdom. This wisdom that comes from God is what sets men free. 
This wisdom coming from God is the thing that puts adventure in the Christian life. This wisdom is who you were meant to be. It enables you to become who you were meant to be. This wisdom, what does the Spirit know? Look in verse 11. What does He know to tell us? For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. God's Spirit brings you the wisdom of God. It's been hidden from the world, but it has been revealed to those who believe. All right? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you ever talk to your plants? Hey, there's been scientific study that says if you talk to your plant, it will help it to grow. Amen. And it'll make it stronger. And it'll be more vibrant. And all of the other hubbubaloo that goes along with that scientific study. Listen, you can talk to your plant but it cannot return conversation. If yours is, come and see me. (laughs) I can help you, okay? But your plant cannot help you, all right? Life, life, God designed life on different levels. There is plant life, there is animal life, there is human life, angelic life, and divine life. The higher life can reach to the lower life. But the lower life cannot reach to the higher life. Okay? You understand that? A plant which is lower than you cannot reach to you. Now you can talk to your plant, but it cannot talk back to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you tell your dog your troubles? Hey, I've done that. Okay, I've told my dog my troubles. And he'll come up to me and he'll wag his tail and he'll lick me on the hand and he'll jump in my lap and he'll just cuddle me and he'll just do all kinds of things because he's seen that I'm giving him attention. Does he understand my troubles? No. Now, some of you might disagree with me about that, but I want to promise you, your dog does not understand your troubles. He can sense your emotion, perhaps, but he doesn't understand your troubles. I can talk to my wife about my troubles, and she can understand. I can talk to a friend about my troubles. They can understand. They can relate. Why? Because we're on the same level of life. I can reach down to the lower, but the lower cannot reach up to me. Okay? So now we take God. He is the highest being. He's the highest of things that you and I could possibly imagine. We cannot reach up to Him. But He can reach to us. The higher can reach to the lower, but the lower cannot reach to the higher. And so, God, the only way that I could possibly know anything about God 
is that he discloses it to me. He makes it known to me. Jesus was God in the flesh. He came to get on my level so that I could see, I could hear, I could communicate, I could understand Him and He me. You should understand now, God's Spirit became man flesh to communicate with man. He got on our level of life. So, this wisdom then that we get from God is simply because God allows us to have it. He opens the way for us to have this kind of wisdom. Look in verse 11 and 12. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, verse 12 says, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. The natural man doesn't have the Spirit of God. He cannot know them. He cannot understand them. Don't get mad at him. Don't throw a fit about him. He can't understand it. He can't know it. Because he doesn't have the Spirit. You see? But you have the Spirit. Therefore, you can know these things. You can understand these things. You have been given the opportunity by God to know them. Look in chapter 1, verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. The natural man, your friend, your spouse, your child, your parent, your boss, doesn't know Christ, doesn't walk with Him, don't expect Him to know what you know. He can't know it. It makes no sense to him whatsoever because he has not been given the Spirit. Understand that, Christian. God must reveal that to him. The Spirit has to come and teach us. Jesus is God who came to teach us about this. Amen? When he went, he left the Spirit to continue that teaching, to advance us in that. The Spirit teaches us about Jesus. Look in John 16, 14 on the screen. He, the Spirit, that's parenthesized by me, He, the Spirit, shall glorify me, Jesus. For He shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. Okay? So, the natural man can't do it, but those who have been given the Spirit can do it and understand it. You can read this Bible, but it will not make Jesus come alive to you unless you have the Spirit. How many of you can testify with me right now that before you were a believer, you read the Bible and you couldn't get it? It didn't make sense. It was hard to understand. It was difficult to follow, and you just couldn't get it. Only four people over here? There's five, six, blah, 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 blah. there you go. 
Wake up, stretch that arm. Now you, now you know why. Now you understand why. You can read the Bible. It's not going to make Jesus come alive to you until the Spirit gives you what you need, gives you the truth, gives you the hidden wisdom of God. All right? Verse 12, look at that with me again in 13. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, but in those, um, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Paul says, the Spirit's revealed these things to us, now we speak these things. And we're not speaking on human wisdom level. We're speaking on the hidden God wisdom level. Spiritually. Spiritual things with spiritual words. All right? That's beautiful. There's two spirits described there in verse 12. Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God. Well, what's the difference in these two spirits? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 helps us understand. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. You see that? Who is that spirit? Come on. The devil. Satan is that spirit. He is the spirit in this world, working in the sons of disobedience. But you, believer, have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Right? So that you might know this hidden wisdom. The world does not know that. The world does not know there's two spirits. The world does not know they're being led to the slaughter. Satan's not going to tell them. God tries to warn them, but they don't understand that. They don't get it because they can't get it. They don't have the Spirit of God in them. So, what's the outcome for them? They're led to the slaughter. The Spirit of God teaches us that we have these things that have been given to us. In the Gospels, Jesus taught the disciples, didn't He? And sometimes they went around like this. What did He say? What did he just say? Lord, did you say this or did you say that? Explain that to me. I'm confused. I don't understand. I'm baffled. In fact, there were times when they got angry with him and even embarrassed. Look in Matthew chapter 15 verse 12. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard that statement? Did you know that you just offended the Pharisees, Jesus? And he probably said, duh. Yeah, I know I did. Okay. But the disciples were without the Spirit. They had to have everything explained. They had to be bottle fed until the day of Pentecost. Amen. And the Spirit came upon them. And suddenly... All the things that Jesus had taught them began to go together. And they understood 
what He had said. And they understood what the Spirit was teaching them. And they all jailed together. And they gave their lives for that. Amen. Amen? They were ready to run at the night of the trial. But when the Spirit came upon them and revealed the truth and the hidden wisdom of God to them, they were ready to give their lives for that. They saw things in a different light. This is why men without the Spirit cannot grasp the Scriptures. What is the main thing about Christianity? Jesus Christ. That's it. He is the center of Christianity. He is the center of the universe. He's the center of time. Did you know that Jesus split time B.C. and A.D.? He's the center of it all. And yet, the natural man cannot see that. The natural man cannot grasp that. Therefore, if Jesus is the center, what is the eternal question that everyone must answer? What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with the center of all things? What is your relationship to the center of of everything that's the question that must be asked here's what jesus said what do you think about the christ whose son is he he asked you that this morning if you do not know him personally in that way what do you think about him who do you say that he is you know what that question does it divides humanity the whole human race is now divided in two groups what have you done with Christ? Puts people in one group. What have you done with Christ? Puts people in another. I've received Him as Lord and Savior. I have not done that. I've been born again by Him. I have not done that. The whole race, the human race, has now been put into two groups. So, in verse 14, what does the natural man do? He cannot understand that. He does not see it that way. He is not uh, thinking about it in that way. Why? Because he's not a spiritual person. The natural man, that word natural in verse 14 is the word psychikos. It means a root or an extension of the root word psyche, which is the word soul. The soul man cannot understand these things. God created us with a body with a soul, and with a spirit. Adam and Eve were spiritual people. They had an open relationship with the spiritual God until they disobeyed Him and sin came into the picture and sin separated them from a holy spiritual God. Spirit is to be the ruling factor in God's creation. But when they disobeyed Him, their spirit fell. And what were they running on now? Their soul. Their soul was making the decisions. Their soul is what had the choice. Their soul is what they operated on. The Spirit's down in the basement. It's dead. It's been separated from God. Now man makes his decisions based upon 
his soul. There's three ways that a man does that. Number one, he has a choice. Every soul has a choice. It has a free will. In fact, we operate on that choice. We operate on that free will. We um, are not spiritual, therefore, we have to operate in the way the soul operates. If you don't think that you have a soul and that your soul has a choice and a free will, look at a two-year-old. A two-year-old has a will, don't they? Amen. All of us nodding our head, yes. So we operate on that soul. We operate on that choice. That choice is based upon two other functions that the soul has. One of those is feelings. A soul has a choice, and the soul bases a lot of his choices on his feelings. What feels right for the moment? What kind of a mood I am in? What urge do I have? What is right for me right now? I'm going to make that choice. We see that throughout the world, do we not? A soul has a choice and he makes, makes his choices based upon his feelings. Now there's another factor. He, a soul can make choices based upon reason or logic. All right? Now some people who are like that, the reasonable, logical people, are proud that they don't make their feelings based on feeling, or make their choices based on feelings. They're proud that they decide by facts. They're proud that they are logical people. They feel superior to others who make their choices based on feelings. But God says in His Word, not so fast. Your soul, your choices, your feelings, and your reason are limited because you do not have the hidden wisdom of God. The natural man cannot understand the things of God nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The reasoning power is limited. How is it limited? Because a soul man bases all of his decisions upon his life from birth to death. Everything that he decides, everything that he reasons, all of his goals are based upon that time frame between his birth and his death. All of his goals, all of his wealth, all of his plans, all of his riches, all of his pleasure, all of his fame, all of his success are logical choices based upon that time frame. He has no reason to go beyond that. He has no inclination to look past his death. He has no way of knowing that because his spirit has died. And he is separated from a gracious and loving God. Now you know why people in your life and you shake your head and you say, I don't understand why they don't get it. Because they can't. They can't get it. They need to be confronted with the person, Jesus Christ. They have no hope. Until somebody puts Jesus in front of them. And now, through that soulish will, they have a choice to make. Will I believe this about this man? Or will I reject it? 
And when the Holy Spirit is working, He leads that man to believe it. When the Holy Spirit is not working, that man can't believe it because it's foolishness to him and he can't understand it. Don't get mad at your friends. Pray for them. Pray that they would be, put themselves in a place that they would listen to your presentation of the gospel. Now you see how much importance there is for you to be a part of their existence. They need somebody to put Christ in front of them so that they can be confronted by Him. This man has a severe limitation in his life. What are they? The limitation is this. He is shut off from the things of God. Look in verse 14 again. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. Right? God's realm of this hidden wisdom, he does not know that it even exists. He is unaware of his purpose in life. He is unaware of the end where he is heading. He misunderstands much, this natural man. He misunderstands marriage. He does not realize and understand that the two become one. He doesn't understand when the one in his life, the other in his marriage, does no longer satisfy or fulfill him, he moves on past that one because he does not understand marriage. Marriage was not man's idea. Marriage was God's idea. Amen? Amen? He performed the very first one with the first two people that were created. This natural man does not understand marriage. He does not understand sexuality. He thinks if I want to become a woman, I can do that. If I want to marry a man, I can do that. If I want to have relationships with children, I can do that. He does not understand. He cannot understand. He is dead in his spirit. He has no reason to be here. He has no purpose for his life. He has no reason that he exists. He's just here. He is a natural, soulish man. You see that? What a sad place to be in. But it's a reality for us in this world. This man, and now it's even fed into some churches. we got churches here in America that stand up and debate whether they should accept a homosexual priest or accept a same-sex marriage in their congregation. What's happening? These churches are drifting from truth. They're drifting from the wisdom of God. They are becoming carnal in their approach to Christianity and not spiritual. Amen? And so we've got to be on guard about that and keep our guard up. They drifted from what they know. This man, this natural man, gets mad when trouble comes his way. When trials happen to him, when tribulation enters his life, he is offended by that. 
But you and I, as spiritual people, we know that that is God's training ground. He's building us on those trials and troubles and tribulation. He's shaping us and forming us into His people, right? But the natural man doesn't see that, and he becomes angry, and he loses his temper, and he takes it as an offense. Not only is this man shut off from the things of God, he is unable to understand them. God's wisdom makes no sense to him. This is why he is able to accept abortion. Abortion seems natural to this man. It makes sense to him to keep the population down, to fulfill my desires. This is why the natural man thinks that euthanasia is okay. If an old person is is old and beyond any uh, uh, purpose, then let's let them go out. Let's take them out. The natural man sees logic behind that. Can you understand why our world is like it is? It's being run by natural men who cannot understand the things of God. Why can't he see it? Verse 14 tells us, because it is spiritually appraised. His spirit is dead and he operates on the soul. His only hope is to be confronted with Christ. Without Jesus, his mind remains dark. Now, he might accept your Christian values and your Christian lifestyle, but he'll never think it's right. He'll never do it himself. He might put up with you. He might tolerate you in your Christian life, but he'll never accept it for himself. He is a natural man. If the spirit, it's the Spirit of God who makes the difference in us. Look in verse 15. But he who is spiritual... I don't like the New American Standard word there, appraises. I like the word judges, okay? It has more impact, so I'm going to read it like that, even though my translation says appraises. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no man, okay? There's some things about this that the Spirit does for us. Number one, we are able to judge all things. Now, the Lord says, do not judge. But here, Paul writes, judge all things. So what is he saying here? That a spiritual man, one with the hidden wisdom of God, can look at all things ethically and morally. Everything, everything in our existence has an ethical value and a moral value. The spiritual man can look at every single thing, and he makes a moral and ethical judgment upon it. Do you see that? He can tell you if it is being used rightly or if it is being used wrongly. This is the spiritual man. Now let me tell you, not everybody, not every believer is a spiritual man. This takes devotion. This takes prayer. This takes study. This takes gifts of God. It's just not something that we run into and we happen to have. But because of a person devoting himself to Christ, 
and studying His Word and praying to His Father, He now has the privilege and the right and the authority to stand up and say, that's wrong. Okay? That's right. That's wrong. That's right. That's what verse 15 is telling us. But the spiritual man judges all things. Okay? You with me? We're almost done. Hang in there. You have this right to do that. This requires devotion on your part. All right? He studies and he reads the mind of God through the Spirit of God and he's able to make these discernments, these appraisals, these judgments on how many things? All things. All things mean all things. There's nothing that you as a spiritual man devoted to Christ and studied up and prayed up cannot discern and make a judgment call on. That's what he's saying to you there. Now, let's go on. Verse 15, part B. Yet he himself is judged by no man. It says you can judge everything, but nobody can judge you. Okay? Now, don't let that go to your head. All right? Because if you think you're above the law, somebody's going to come along and put you in a place where you're going to have a lot of time to think about that. Okay? This is not what it's saying that you as a Christian are above the law. That's not at all what he's saying there. What it is saying is that you are above the laws of the land when they are opposed to Christ. Alright? You are above that. You can, you can stand firm against the anti-Christian movement that we're seeing here in America today. Now, you're not to respond with a violent demonstration. You're not to go out into the streets and break windows and start fires and all of that because of this anti-Christian movement. But what you do do is you quietly insist on the Word of God. A beautiful example of that is Martin Luther. The church, the government said this is how it will be. And Luther, led by the Spirit, discovered that that's not true. And so he took a stand. And he wrote his thesis. And he nailed it to the door of the church. And then he went to several meetings with different authorities. And in one particular place, Martin Luther said this. Unless my conscience be taught and corrected by the Word of God, I will not change or recant anything that I have written. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. There is a man who is no longer to be judged by the world. He has risen above that. You see that? You, Christian, can judge everything as a spiritual being, prayed up, studied up, connected up. And you, Christian, as a spiritual person, no one can judge you. You are above. You are in the family of God. God's wisdom is higher than man's wisdom. Amen? Therefore, we will not be judged by anyone. Paul supports this. Look in verse 16. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord that He should instruct him? Who can tell this Martin Luther that he's wrong? Anybody here? Nope. Why? Because God has instructed him. God has led him. And you know what? What he's saying is making perfect sense. Spiritually. So, the wisdom from God is beyond a challenge. God sees life exactly as it is. And Paul ends with a great statement. But we have the mind of Christ. What does he mean by that? Paul says this. We think and we operate on life the way that Jesus has. Jesus was to the point. Jesus was keenly observing everything around him. Jesus lived life led by the Spirit. We have that approach to life. Is that what you're doing today, believer? Are you living life like Jesus lived? How do I know? What is the mark of that? Here's the mark of that. Here's the evidence of that. That you will behave as Jesus behaved. That when you have, you will have compassion for others when the world treats them severely. You will act severely when the world treats people with tolerance. You will be kind to the poor and the ugly and the downcast, the people with no power and no ability. You will be kind to them. You will be frank with the rich and the powerful and the mighty. That is the mind of Christ. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be afraid to stand on the wisdom of God like Martin Luther. Okay? Like the Apostle Paul. Like Timothy. Like David. Like Matthew. Like Jedoiah. Like Isaiah. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. The wisdom is given to you. Will you make that commitment to the truth today? You have a privilege knowing the wisdom of God to call men back from the flames in your life. To call them back from the confusion and illusion and delusion of this world and call them to the reality of the life of Jesus Christ. Men try to find this wisdom on their own. And you won't find it until you receive Jesus Christ. Read the back of the bulletin today. Those two things go together. You must receive Him. You can't just think about Him. You can't just pray to Him. You've got to receive Him. When you do, the Spirit of wisdom moves into you. And you see life the way Jesus sees it. And then you have the opportunity to live it the way he lived it we'll get on to some carnal things next sunday if the lord allows people in the spirit but operating on the soul all right let's pray together lord bless us this morning as we've learned quite a lot this morning about who we are and what you have given to us you've hidden nothing from us everything 
All things are ours through Jesus Christ. Lord, I praise you for that. We perhaps have never understood it like that before. But Lord, I pray for those in my family, in my circle of friends, in my circle of influence that don't know you. Now I see why. They can't possibly help me to put Jesus in front of them. When they look at me, don't let them see me. Let them see Jesus. When they hear me talk, don't let them hear my voice, but let them hear Jesus. Let them be confronted with the Savior that they too can be saved. I pray this now in Jesus' name.